Welcome to Way Too Seriously, the podcast where we watch kids' movies and take them way too seriously. I'm Paul Moffat. I'm Jan Moffat. And this week, we watched the 2016 movie Moana. Moana was directed by Ron Clements and John Musker. It's a Disney Features film. It's starring uh, Aleli Cravello as Moana, Dwayne Johnson as Maui, and various other people, Alan Tudyk, Jermaine Clement as other characters in the movie. Want to tell us what Moana was about, Paul? Sure. Without singing the songs? Moana is the story of a girl who loves her island, a girl who loves the sea. She's descended from voyagers. They call her... She's been standing at the edge of the water? (laughs) Long as she can remember. Okay, no. Moana is the story of a girl who goes on a voyage across the ocean to find the demigod Maui and return the heart of Tefiti, which he stole long ago, and having stolen, caused darkness throughout the world. So she goes on a mythic quest to find him, bring him back to the mother island Tefiti, and restore Tefiti's heart. That is the story of Moana. That is the story of Moana. So... Let's start as we usually do. What are some highlights, as objective as you're capable of? <laughs> oh, I can be objective about Moana. What are some highlights, highlights of this Highlights of Moana. I'm going to mention two things right off the bat, and it's about the animation. The animation of the water and Moana's hair. I love Moana's hair. They're They're almost their own characters. They're animated so well. And I mean... As we all know, we've all seen the... I mean, we've all... Those of us who have seen a lot of cartoons, especially things that come to mind like The Incredibles or other things where, like, the water is animated so poorly and they just struggled to animate water. It's hard. For a long, it is. It was. Even in Finding Nemo, they were in the water and they didn't have to animate the surface. This movie does water so beautifully. Mm-hmm. And, and the end really feels like, like if they had done this movie even five years ago, I don't think they would have done as good a job. Mm-hmm. Then also Moana's hair is animated so beautifully and so realistically. And when you think about as wonderful as I love it, Ariel, Ariel's hair in Little Mermaid is like, it just keeps getting bigger and bigger. And it does crazy things that hair never does, even underwater. Moana's hair is long like mine, so I can relate to it. It's like, it just whips her in the face, and then she does things like ties it up, and then it comes out of the thing that it's tied up in. And it's just, to have animators who know what they're doing when it comes to a woman's hair, and when it comes to water, are two things that are really good about this movie. And that's not even mentioning the story. I mean, I agree, the animation in this movie is fantastic. Yeah. Uh, Definitely one of the highlights. I'm gonna... Take another of the highlights, which is something that is a bit of a gimme on this movie. But the music is oh, a highlight. My goodness. The songs yes. uh, are so good. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is written by Lin Manuel Miranda with others, but Lin Manuel Miranda who wrote Hamilton and his something we've been obsessed with for a good while. Something now. we've been obsessed with for a long time now. His lyrical skill is really on display Mm -hmm. here and all the songs have fantastic lyrics not just 
wit, not just, you know, good turns of phrase, but the themes that are woven through all of the songs and come back. And frankly, the musical themes as well as the lyrical themes, Mm -hmm. that the songs are connected to each other in really beautiful ways musically. Yeah, I have to admit, it had to grow on me. Actually, the first time we saw this movie, when we saw it in theaters, I was like, I don't know how much I... The music was good, but maybe it was a bit repetitive. I'm not sure if I like it as much. And then I started listening to the soundtrack with our kids, and suddenly, like, it grew on me more and more, and the lyrics started affecting my emotions more and more. Yeah. I do really... Now, we watch it, and I like this melody singing along with all the songs. I'm going to say another highlights, which is the two main leads, Alele Crivallo and Dwayne Johnson, are both fantastic. Oh, so good. So good. Yeah. And both of their excellence is surprising. Hers, because this is her first thing ever. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, she's like 17 or something when she filmed this. Yeah. And she's amazing. Yes. She's so good. Yeah. And we watched her singing at the Oscars and like, she was amazing standing on stage giving a live performance also. Uh, so she's great in this and a definite highlight. Yeah, absolutely. And then Dwayne Johnson is surprising. He, by the time this movie came out, people basically had gotten their heads around the fact that he was actually a funny actor but he's still like he's the rock he's a wrestler yeah, absolutely. and his first acting role was you know the scorpion king and the mummy and was terrible mm-hmm. i don't think that's on him but like yeah. he was gonna he looked like he could easily have been a meathead action star and this is not a meathead action star role and he's amazing he's yeah so charming absolutely, absolutely yeah and so good like he sings beautifully mm-hmm. he's got comedic chops he's great yep so i agree those are some good highlights there's any, lots i think there's lots of highlights i mean the story itself too and we'll get more into that in the too seriously portion but the story is so uh such an inspiring and beautiful story of this girl who does who succeeds at what she does in your standard Disney way, but in different ways as well. Mm-hmm. And she discovers who she is, and she helps other people discover who they are. She achieves things without any romantic attachments, and just, they sidestep a lot of the standard Disney tropes. Yeah. I love that there's not a rom- there's no love story in this Nothing movie at all. at all. Not even a romantic subplot. So should we move on to low lights? Is there any yes. low lights you want to talk about? My low light to start is um, the animation of Moana's face. She looks like there have been the three big movies lately, uh, Tangled, Frozen, and Moana. And all three of those women kind of look exactly the same. They have the same face. And I felt like they didn't change Moana's face enough. I felt like she looked a little in moment. There were real moments where she looked exactly like Anna and exactly like Rapunzel and that kind of bugged me. Particularly I think the scene where she uh, is talking to Pua about eating pork and it's like, oh uh, I gotta go. Yes. It's like, that was Anna. For a second, that was Anna. Yep. (laughs) Yep. And when she got the sand in her hair she looks like Anna when she wakes up. Right. Exactly. With With all the hair hair everywhere. Yeah. Totally. Yep. I think there as much as I really love this movie, I think 
there are some structural problems mm -hmm. showing that are lowlights. And the two things I would point to, it seems clear that there was an earlier version of the story that happened differently, and there are still remnants of that. Mm -hmm. So originally, I don't have any background information about this. I'm just based on watching the movie and uh, what I can see of seams of the movie of previous versions in the movie. Originally, Pua was going to be a bigger character, and so we build him up as her anim her animal companion, and then he just disappears. Yeah. And originally, it seems like originally the Kakamora were going to be bigger villains, and they show up for no reason, have a little set piece, and then disappear again completely. Mm -hmm. And then, so those are two, those two things. I like both of them for what they are, but neither one of them fit in the movie. And you could cut out the part about the Kakamora, you could cut out Pua completely, and it would have no effect on the actual story. Mm -hmm. So they don't need to be here. Yep. So they needed to, so that's a weakness. That's a low light in terms of the structure, in mm -hmm. terms of story. Yep. That's about it as far as I'm concerned with low lights. Yep. Yeah, I would say that's pretty much me too. Yeah, the Kakamora, as much as I kind of love that scene, it's really fun. It does come out of nowhere and doesn't really make any sense within the movie. Yeah. It doesn't really achieve a lot. No. Yeah. So personally... Personally, how Did, much do you enjoy this I, movie? I was going to ask you, oh, how much do you enjoy this movie, Paul? So much. In terms of pure enjoyment, it's hard to think of a kid's movie I enjoy more than Moana. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> That's... I like, I mean, when she said she has heard, you know, uh, I've been staring at the edge of the water. Standing I, at the edge of the water. I always say standing. I always thought it was standing, but I'm pretty sure when I watched it this time, it was staring at the edge of the water. Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. Because she's looking. Because she's staring at the thing with the land in the sky. Yeah, the... yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Anyway, and I, on a just personal level, the ocean, Moana, the ocean calls me too. <laughs> Maybe I, you're chosen. I stand at the edge of the water and stare at it like... We live here in Newfoundland for the first time in my life. I live next to the ocean and I would go there and just sit and look at the horizon all day long. Mm -hmm. And if I had a, you know, if I could, I would go out onto the ocean. I'm right with you. And that like the idea of longing for something is, I think, uh, universally relatable but this specific, she's longing specifically for the ocean. And I'm like, I am with you. I'm <laughs> so with you. Yep, absolutely. And that has a big thing to do with what, in just in enjoyment terms, I love this movie. I love boats and sailing and her spending all this time on the ocean. I'm like, oh, oh I would be there. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, absolutely. I, I like, I love this movie too. It's fantastic. It's, uh, what I love so much about it is just that it's this di totally different Disney princess movie. Mm -hmm. And that, and just the, the way it tugs at your heartstrings and the empowerment that she gets when she says, I am Moana, and the number of times I have sang, I am Moana. You're not Moana. To the world. <laughs> and there's a tweet that I'm going to quote by uh, 
guy that I follow named Caleb. If you listen to this, Caleb, shout out. Uh, it's for the that I yell, I am Moana loudly as someone who is not, in fact, Moana. <laughs> it is a heart. Like it's just it just like it lives in my heart. This movie. I don't know yeah. what it is about. Like so much out of of it is just so good and so so inspiring. And they've made this really yeah this inspiring character that for the first time in a Disney Disney princess movie. I don't. It doesn't have the problematic elements that so many of them do, and mm-hmm. that just like I love it. Mm-hmm. I, I I feel like I'm not expressing it very well, but. It's a really good movie and it's yeah. fun and it's funny and hey hey is the best character in the world like i love that chicken <laughs> my kids have toys of hey hey and i keep stealing them they keep stealing them back <laughs> i definitely like in terms of pure enjoyment hey hey has got to be if, i don't know what like the best animal companion it's just maybe, so dumb and so maybe funny. second best but i can't think who yeah. would be better yeah. I'm just hedging my bets when I say in the top two or three yeah. because he's so funny. Yeah. And like, he basically is a one note joke, but it's funny every time. Absolutely. And you'll know if you listen to our other podcast, Clockworks, you'll know that we love Jermaine Clement and he is in this movie. I know. He plays Tamatoa and he is so good. He's doing his like David Bowie impression. And so that is also just brilliant. Yeah. I suppose that is also an element that is not objective quality, although he is objectively good, but my enjoyment of his performance is more than just how objectively good it is it's added on to that i love jermaine clement and when he shows up in a movie or tv show it just makes me happy yep and he's great in this and it's lovely to see him yep exactly so should we move into the way too serious yeah because i have another aspect of my enjoyment of the movie that i think fits better into way too seriously way Way too too seriously. seriously the part near the end in the movie there's this lava monster, Tika, who is made of lava and throws things and is the primary antagonist. And at the end of the movie, Moana suddenly realizes that Tika is Tefiti without her heart. Mm-hmm. And she stops the big fight scene, the ocean parts, and she walks across the water to give Tika her heart back. And she sings her little song. I have crossed the horizon to find you. I know your name. They have stolen the heart from inside you. This does not define you. This is not who you are. You know who you are. I was in tears. Mm-hmm. Me too. And it's beautiful in so many ways it's a big part of my enjoyment of the movie is that that moment is so emotionally beautiful Mm -hmm. and i think i can point 
I think I can articulate some of the things that make it so beautiful. And that's why I want to put it in the way too seriously mm-hmm. part. Is it the nonviolence? Well, that is part of it. That's part of what I love. That this is a story about solving conflicts without violence. Mm-hmm. Mo- Maui does not win the fight against Taka and beat Taka by being stronger, faster, or smarter, or trickier, or even trickier. Yep. Um, that what turns an enemy into an ally is understanding. Mm-hmm. This movie is about identity in a major way. It's the major theme of the movie is identity. Moana wants to know who she is. And all throughout the movie, there's things about wayfinders know where they're going, know where they are by knowing where they've been. And Tafiti and Taka is a character who demonstrates how trauma is connected to identity. So Tafiti's heart is stolen by Maui, and that turns her into someone that she doesn't recognize, that other people don't recognize. Mm -hmm. She lashes out, not just against Maui, but against everyone, because she has been violated, and she doesn't know who she is anymore. Oh, (laughs) that's so beautiful. (laughs) I'm kind of like yeah and she gets her heart back and she blooms because Moana recognizes her mm-hmm. through her trauma and sees that what she needs is not violence and not aggression but understanding and she brings her her heart and she brings her love, yeah. and she gives it to her. And Tafiti puts the heart in herself. Yeah, she doesn't. Moana does not put the heart into the spiral. She gives it to Tafiti, and Tafiti puts the the heart into her own heart. And what Moana says to Tafiti is not. What Moana says to Tafiti is, "You know who you are." Mm-hmm. And I think that that's. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the it most. Really is. Moana learning who she is is wonderful, but the most moving and profound statement of identity and knowing who you are in this movie revolves around Taka and Tafiti. Mm-hmm. Well, and she, Moana, is able to do that because she first recognizes who she is because her grandmother knows who she is and it's this line of people helping each other line of women good call it's this line of women passing this knowledge from generation to generation and knowing who they are and what they stand for and what they believe and so moana gets this gift from her grandmother and passes it forward and passes it on because she realizes that it's been inside her and she can give it outwards. And I feel like that's a difference from a lot of movies that we see, and maybe we'll have to look at the other ones too seriously as well. But I feel like a lot of things are about your internal identity and then it ends. It's like, once you discover who you are, you're good. But this takes it the next step, which is vital 
to what real life is, is you can't just say, oh, okay, I've decided who I am and that's who I am. You need to then take that and help others. And that is what Moana does. She goes, she finds, she just says she is Moana and she discovers who she is, that she is a wayfinder. And then she helps someone else find their way, mm-hmm. but she doesn't force them. No. She helps them yep. by showing them. And that's, oh, yeah. And she, when she finds, like, the way that it deals with Moana's identity is also more complex and nuanced than we would expect to find in a Disney movie mm-hmm. about being true to yourself. Because she does this, uh, she has to reconcile that she loves her island yeah. and she loves the sea and she's descended from voyagers and there's a call. So there's four things that she has to reconcile. And when she sings her little song in her moment of darkness, she sings the song that helps her find herself. She says, I am a girl who loves my island and the girl who loves the sea. It calls me. I am the daughter of the village chief We are descended from voyagers Who found their way across the world And they call me The tradition that I come from, my island and the people around me They're part of who make me who who Mm -hmm. I am I can't just leave them Mm -hmm. I love the sea The things that I love on my own Define me I'm descended from voyagers. My history, more than just my immediate context, defines me. And the sea calls me. My desires define me. Mm-hmm. And she has to... It, no one of those erases the other four. And what we would often find in a Disney movie is one of those is the real you. But no, the real her is all of those taken together. Exactly, exactly. And this is what I, and this is another just like, why this is way too seriously good, is Moana is a Polynesian woman. This is a totally new story. We've had uh, Lilo and Stitch before, but this is a new story about Polynesian culture and island culture and we have people of color telling us a story that we haven't heard before and it's beautiful and it's about your history and your family and your people having a say in who you are. Yeah. And we need more stories like this, especially us as Paul and I as white people need (laughs) these voices talking to us so we can listen to them so we can know more stories than just our own. Yeah. And I want more of this. I want more more stories about traditions and families and situations that I am not familiar with. And I'm so glad Moana exists. And I'm yeah. so glad I get to take my kids to that and let them see that and have them go, look at this beautiful princess, look at this girl I want to be like. And she doesn't look exactly like them because she doesn't have to. That they can see that as beauty. Yeah. And they, and, oh, I love, too, Moana's parents. 
I think are really important in this because while they want her to stay, especially her father, Mm -hmm. they want her to stay either the, you know, there's that trope of parent putting their foot down. They have an openness that I haven't seen before in a, in this kind of movie. Mm -hmm. They, they aren't mad when she comes back. Mm -hmm. Her mother helps her to leave. And even her father, would he want the reason that he wants to stop her from leaving, he explains to her and, mm-hmm. he, and he explains to us. And it's about his identity. Yeah. And it's about how he understands, like, he's, he's trying to keep her safe, not just in principle, but trying to keep her safe from a specific danger that he has specifically faced and... Uh, trying to help her overcome a specific desire that he shares, but himself has overcome. Yeah, exactly. Because it's dangerous. Yeah. And so we get some real sense of who he is. Mm-hmm. And when, you know. Yeah. When you know who you are. You can... I could have used a little more of her mother. Yeah, agreed. But what we do get, I enjoy. Um, and the all the scenes at the beginning on the island are really well done because they show this, not this like repressed, boring culture. And she just has to get away and she sings her, I want song and they're, you know, she wants much more than this provincial life. Right. (laughs) She wants to be there too. Like she loves these people and these people are interesting and great. And there's a lot of like little tiny scenes in that moment of like the guy who's talking about, Hey, hey, and maybe they should kill Hey, hey, and eat him because he's a very dumb chicken. <laughs> and the little like the boy who makes the does the weird dance and makes the like <laughs> eyes at her in hilarious way, and just like a lot. Of, and there, and the woman who shows her like the the rotten coconut, and is like, oh, she's doing a good job, right? And. Maybe, maybe a little less uh, prairie than that, but yeah. Oh, she's doing a good oh, job. Oh, she's doing a good job. <laughs> Hey. <laughs> I love you. <laughs> so she's just like, I don't know. I feel like in this whole movie, we often have things that we point out and complain about for the t- in the two seriousliness. And this movie sidesteps so many of them, including something we've talked about before, which is white people, white actors playing people yeah. of color. This movie was smart. It knew about that <laughs> like hey it's 2016 well it was 2016 when this got made it's 2017 now Will it be 2018 when this comes out no no no, no. we're not we're not that far ahead <laughs> um It'll be 2020 when this comes out right of course um what was i saying <laughs> that they cast every one of the main cast except for alan tujic who plays hey hey who plays a chicken who plays a chicken are Either New Zealand, Hawaiian, some, like, they're all from the islands, from the Pacific. And even Jermaine Clement, who is from New Zealand, is not just New Zealand. He's Maori. Yeah, exactly. So, like, he's not just a white New Zealander. Yeah, exactly. Which would have been okay. Yeah. But is not as good. It's not as good, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Like, they're, yeah, I'm just, I'm super impressed with that. And, uh... The girl who plays Moana, Alee, does such a beautiful job of like, and she's just become 
like I keep seeing her like when during the promotions for Moana and she's just like the sweet girl who's like so excited to be doing a movie with Dwayne Johnson and so excited to be representing her culture and it's just really cool. Well, and did you see the interview with her where she talked about why she's excited to do a movie with Dwayne Johnson? Because she did not say because he's a famous wrestler, she said, mm-hmm. because he's a Polynesian star who all of us Book to him as someone who has made it in uh, mainstream. Main, I don't forget whether she's how she mm. phrases it, but someone who has made it in mainstream culture and represents us. Mm. So she talks about representation and why it matters, and then she gets to be representation that matters. Yeah, it's really cool. So cool. Okay. I was going to say when you were talking about her "I Want" song, it reminded me mm. of something, which is part of why uh, the theme of identity in this movie is so well done is that all of the conflict is internal it's why mm-hmm. you like the parents so much it's why her uh, sense of herself is so important and it's even in the end uh it turns out that the external conflict the external antagonist Tika, is herself undergoing internal conflict mm-hmm. so the conflict is between moana and herself not moana and her father her father kind of externalized that conflict a bit, but mostly the conflict is about what two things that she wants and she can't decide which she wants more mm-hmm. rather than uh, I'm going to destroy your entire grotto full of uh, thingamabobs because I'm an abusive father, right? <laughs> do we need to talk about the mermaid soon? <laughs> Maybe we do. Um, and it's one of the other things structurally about why, like, that moment with Taka and Tafiti, Taka turning out to be Tafiti, is it takes what seems like an external conflict and turns it into an internal conflict really powerfully. Mm. So suddenly this thing that seemed unconnected is connected to the main theme and is about someone else with an internal conflict. And that's part of why the Kakamura are disappointing, because they have nothing to do with any of that. Mm. Yeah. Whereas uh, Tamatoa even does... Tamatoa is also, in a more superficial and uh, ham-handed way, that's fine. Uh, Tamatoa is also about the difference between defining yourself by who you are on the inside or who you are on the outside. Yeah. Like, explicitly, his song is about that. He's so shiny. (laughs) Yeah. That's part of why he's... Part of why he's so much better as an antagonist, as a secondary antagonist, than the Kakamura is because he's Jermaine Clement. <laughs> but more than that is because he's thematically relevant. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah. So there is something to complain about. Is there? Yes, of course there must be. There is. And this is not an original thought, but... And so I'm, I'm parroting someone else's thought, and we'll try it out and see what we think of it. There is some complaint to be made about the way Polynesian men are represented physically in mm. this movie. That is, the stereotype of Polynesian men is that they're big fat guys. Mm-hmm. And all the Polynesian men in this movie are big fat guys. Mm. The fa- And that basically is the father and Maui, but even the other, like, the yeah, old the man, the old yeah. man sitting at the fire is skinny. Mm-hmm. But other than that, basically all the Polynesian men are great big. Are very big, big yeah. And They're not necessarily fat, they're kind of muscly too, but yeah, absolutely. I think that is essentially splitting hairs. Yeah. 
Yep, you're right. Because, and that's the, that is the defense that the movie made. Maui has to be great big because he's larger than life. He's big and they, I don't think they often have said this, but like they make him look like Dwayne Johnson. He has a yeah. body kind of like Dwayne Johnson. Yep. Uh, but traditionally, Maui is a skinny guy. Yeah, he's a trickster. Maui, like Anansi, Whiskey Jack, Coyote, Loki. Loki, these are all skinny guys mm-hmm. because Maui is in that mold and part of, I mean, Maui is a... They're kind of weaselly. Yeah. Maui's a character in Polynesian the- uh, mythology, in Polynesian mythology, and he's a little bit different in the different myths and around the different places. Mm-hmm. But often, he's the younger brother, and all his older brothers are great big strong guys like Maui is in this movie, and he's the little guy who has to be quick on his feet and think, outthink the big strong tough guys. That's not the Maui we get in this movie. Mm, yeah, it isn't. That's who Moana is in this movie. Mm-hmm. She's the quick thinking. She outthinks Mo. Like when she's trapped in the cave and she pushes over the statue and, you know, Climbs is out. agile and thinks of her way out. Maui is a great big strong guy who puts a rock in front of her and she's the quick thinking one who gets her way out. That's how Maui typically has been represented. And there's maybe some problematics to having. To, to not having him be that quick-thinking character, not having any of the Polynesian men be slight and quick. They're, they're falling victim to the stereotype of Polynesian men as big, fat, lazy dudes. Mm, yeah. Even with Maui. Yeah. I definitely think that's a fair, a fair criticism. Anytime you do only one version of something, yep. it is a poor representation so there could have been better yeah they could have done better with that yeah and specifically i think the way to fix it the simplest and easiest way to fix it is actually to change uh moana's father's body shape mm, yeah i think you're right if he'd been a skinny guy it would have kind of been okay that this version of maui is off type for maui because you wouldn't see every polynesian male is uh the same yeah. That said, it is uh, worth saying that they're basing Maui physically off of Dwayne Johnson, who is actually a Polynesian man who is roughly that shape. Yeah. They also, um, there's that scene near the beginning where the guy is getting the tattoo and is like, he's having a really hard time with it and he's kind of crying and like, he's just got this tiny bit of a fish on his back and so he might be a big guy, but he's also kind of a wuss. Mm-hmm. Like, that's just one, you know, one of the people she meets. And so that's, you know, that's defying stereotypes a little bit. That He's not just, like, toughing it out because he's so big and tough. He's like, oh, it's just, it's like three lines. And he's like... Yeah, that's a funny moment. Especially since, like, I have a tattoo with, like, it wasn't that big a deal. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it hurts, but, like, man. But you didn't have someone, like, tapping it into you like that. I bet that would hurt more. wasn't licked on by kittens. It was done by needles, Paul. <laughs> but, like, not like a needle being hit with a hammer. I suppose it wasn't. It just, was, it I'm was just an, saying that would be a lot slower. I'm saying I have a tattoo and you don't. <laughs> <laughs> True that. Um, any other 
too seriously things to bring up. Like, in terms of gender, this movie is really great. Yep. And we've talked about it, basically. Mm -hmm. In terms of sexuality, what it does is the only people whose sexuality we can say anything about is Moan's parents. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So. I mean, I think I've been thinking about this in terms of this podcast. Maybe And something we haven't entirely made clear is our ideal for children's things is to not have very much representations of... Not of not of sexuality, but of like romantic relationships. Yeah. That kids kids don't need that. Kids get that all the time from everywhere. They don't need to be talked to about like be in love all the time. Love is so great. Blah blah blah. There's so many more other things to talk about, especially to kids. There do need to be representations of sexuality in terms of it's okay to love anyone. Mm-hmm. You don't need. It doesn't need to be just boy and girl relationships, but. What I like to celebrate in movies is when there are good friendships. Friendships that are that show that men and women can be friends, that show that any that two men can be friends, that two women can be friends, just like good friendships because I think that's what children need to see mm-hmm. is that you can be friends with people. And sometimes, like in our case, that can grow into love. Aww. But I do think that teaching Kids and people in general, that friendships are really important is a good thing. And mm-hmm. so Moana and Maui have this relationship throughout this that's it's antagonistic, it's grows closer and closer as the movie goes, it ends with a big hug. It is there's zero romantic overtones, but there's not even like he's not a father figure no. at all. She has a mother and a father. Yep. She doesn't need another father figure. She just needs a friend and an ally. And that's what he is. And I love that. I love that representation for our kids to see, for myself to see, for the world to see, that you can have these relationships that don't rely on sex, that don't rely on romance, and that aren't necessarily like a substitute family. A substitute family, they're just a friendship, and that has so much value. And it has value, like, socially, but it also has value as, like, a story that we've seen a billion times isn't interesting anymore. And the mm-hmm. ro- the obsession with romantic relationships, one of the problems with it is if we never made another kids movie that had a romantic subplot ever again, don't worry, kids would still get a chance to see plenty of that. Yep. And those old movies still exist and they still watch them. Much like if from now on there were no more movies featuring a white lead. Yeah. We'd still have plenty of white representation. I don't actually want there never to be another white lead because I still want to be a star. <laughs> it could happen for me, Jan. Don't laugh. <laughs> but it's this it like we've got that base covered. Yeah, exactly. We can move to something else. Not that romantic not that friendship is better than romantic relationships necessarily. But it's something that is underrepresented and romantic relationships are far, far, far overrepresented. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Anything else to say about Moana? I don't know. It's a really good movie, you guys. I like, when we first saw it in theaters, I really enjoyed it. And then the more I thought about it and the more like I talked about it with other people, the more I just like, I love this movie so much. And our kids love it. And we bought it for them for 
Easter or something. And like, oh man, it's a great movie. Yep. So, is it good? It is good. It is really good. Is it seriously good? It's seriously good. It's really seriously good. Is this the first movie that has been fully good and fully seriously good? I think it might be. We said that about... (laughs) I think we said that about Prince of Egypt, and then we had to record an epilogue where we were like, actually, it's not as seriously good as we just said it was, everybody. No, we had to record an epilogue where we weren't as seriously good as we thought we were. Yeah. Something like that. Anyway. Yeah. But... Unless there's an epilogue that comes right after I'm saying this. Moana, certified good and certified seriously good. Are we saying certified now? I don't know. I'm just saying that this time. <laughs> it's got our the Paul and Jan stamp of approval. You could put that in the bank and I, do nothing with it. I think, like, this is the seriously best movie we have talked about yep. on our podcast. Yeah, in terms of seriously good. Yeah. Is it the best movie? I don't know. There are some other ones that have also been very, very good. Mm-hmm. But it's across our both categories. It is the best movie we've talked about. So in potentially introducing people to this movie and how seriously good it is, all we have to say is, you're welcome. No? Too far? No, exactly. <laughs> That's exactly far enough. <laughs> That's exactly far enough. I think that should be our... our uh, Sign off. We have, or maybe to say, not. Oh, yeah. we have to say who we are. Okay. So if you want to t- tell us that we're wrong and that this isn't the best and seriously best and maybe we've screwed up, tell us because we <laughs> want to hear from you or tell us how awesome we are, whatever. We're on Twitter at WTSCast. We're on, uh, you can email us way too seriously cast at gmail.com. We're working on that, you guys. It's, it's a bit of a long email address. You can, uh, we have not been talking about it, but we have a Facebook page. So, uh, check us out on Facebook. Way too seriously on Facebook. No, facebook.com slash WTSCast. And if you want to support us, check out Patreon, patreon.com slash clockworkscast, where you can kick us a dollar a month or whatever you can afford and you can get some bonus goodies with every episode. So, thanks for listening. <laughs> I've been Paul Moffat. I've been Jan Moffat. And keep your eye on the horizon. Keep your eye. Ooh. Been staring at the edge of this podcast long as I can remember.